Hey, hey, hey. It's Bill, and uh, clearly I forgot how to use my microphone as I just had to power the thing on. So, welcome back. This is episode 145 of the Gamers Lounge, and it is three in a row. Uh, So, three in a row, six weeks, one release every two weeks. I think they said nine weeks is what it takes to make a... uh, to make a habit. So, uh, I think we're well on track. So, uh, hope you've been enjoying the return of gamers lounge. Uh, for those who are longtime listeners, thank you for, well, that's wrong for the longtime listener. Thank you for listening for the new listener. Thank you for listening. Um, so what do we have in store for you on 145? Uh, so this is what we got. Brian of Envelope Games, a uh, good friend and a uh, man who I'm very happy to hear how well they're doing over at Envelope. I think I may say that a couple times in this recording. Uh, joins me to kind of give a update and a state of what's been going on over there at uh, Envelope Games. So we talk a little bit of Ethereum, then we talk a lot of bit of Ethereum, then we talk a little bit of Ethereum role playing game. We talk a little bit of Frontline No Comrades. Uh, We talk a little... uh, I'm trying to remember. We might talk a little bit of Secret Squirrel. Um, Not sure. But uh, overall, it is a great talk, and it's good to get a perspective of what's going on uh, with the company and overall with his games. So with that said, why don't we jump right in? Hello, this is Bill, and I am here joined by uh, the man of the noise, the 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 wanderer of the deeps, Mr. Brian Nero from Anvil A Games. How you doing? Good. How you doing tonight, Brian? Spe- speaking of being called worse things, yeah, that's <laughs> new. man of the noise. You like that man of the noise? That's new, yeah, brand new. Yeah. I like it. That's I. It's going to be a new character in you know whatever the next faction is the uh, the the dead while awake or whatever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I'm about to get some new business cards printed up, so I think maybe that should go on there. Ooh, I like that. I yeah. like that. I, uh, <laughs> I I you know hey. A fifth of a cent every time you hand one out, and I'm good to go. (laughs) Royalties, yeah. (laughs) That's fair. So this has been a really exciting year for Anvil 8. Um, Brand new faction going from Adepticon last year, and now we're coming up on, like, the end of that year. Mm -hmm. Expansion for your new game, which is not really a new game anymore. Your new game is not a new game anymore. (laughs) <laughs> the, the frontline no comrades yeah i mean yeah. it's you're a couple of years in now right uh, i guess we're two like, years yeah, i guess it's almost two years now is it two years is that I, possible I, two gen cons let's put it that way yeah so a I, year so technically like a year and a half yeah so uh you, your first trip as a company over to essen yes and uh 
than a really nice quiet Christmas. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Well, yeah. Then we did the PAX Unplugged, and then Christmas. the The trip to Germany was something special, I have to say. So I I want to hear about that. Chance. How was it? How was the game received over there? Um the the card game Frontline was there was a bonanza, absolute bonanza. That people loved it. Um, and it, you know, it's so humbling. I know this is things. Uh, this isn't. I'm not the first person to observe this. But it was really kind of crazy to be standing in the middle of, like, northwest Germany. People from so many, I think we counted, like, 25 different countries we talked to, you know, uh, come by. And we're speaking in English, obviously, the game's in English. And they're still just nuts for it, you know, like, really just enjoying it, getting the humor, like, getting the the dumb stuff that we've put in the game, you know. That's awesome. That we think... You know, it was pretty funny. And we just have no idea if that's ever going to translate or not, you know. And so it was really fun to to be there um, and just watching people from all over enjoy it. Uh, now, did you bring the U.S. version or did you didn't you had to make some changes for the Polish version? We there is a Polish version. Um, we so we let, there's, there's a couple of things that are funny about that. So we let the the Black Monk Games is who publishes in Poland, and that's that's their thing. So we didn't we didn't kind of um, sell the Polish version. They they did at their booth. Okay. Um, but we had a number of people walk by because we did we did some new characters for uh, specifically for the Polish version that was based on a, a television show. Uh, that was popular, uh, I want to say, like, in the... It was black and white, so I want to say maybe, like, the late 60s. Okay. Um, in Poland. So we did some we did some special characters for them based on that, and there would be people, like, a number of times, people were walking by the booth, and, like, you could, like, you know, just, like, someone just stopped dead in their tracks in, like, a sea of people and come over and say, what, what? Because we had the big banners up with these new characters, you know? <laughs> And they say, yeah, is this is this a Polish game? You know, like they recognize the, it's a, this tank commander and his dog, and um, they recognize him straight away. And like by the second day, we noticed like when someone just stopped like right in front of our booth, we're like oh, that's a Polish guy that's coming to talk about the, <laughs> the new characters. So it was really cool. That was like totally, you know, I don't know, caught me off, caught me kind of flat footed. I didn't see that coming. That's pretty cool, though. That's pretty cool. So, okay, so you had the banner up with the new characters, but you mm-hmm. you you were selling the American version of the game though, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I you know, I I remember you telling me like we had this discussion at Adepticon last year about how you were worried that it would be, you know, how well it would be received over in Poland because, you know, are the jokes going to play with the con- you know, the the commissar and everything and yeah. uh and, and and Black Monk, to their credit, was really they were really diligent about this. They said, they said, you know, we like the game, but we want to kind of like take it home and sit with it for a while and see how people react, you know, because what was just a joke for us or what was you know just a bit of silliness it's really life like, for them, yeah, right. I mean, that's like in some people, some of this might be in living memory, even though you know it's kind of ahistorical. It's not like set, but it, it's definitely winking at you know commissars and things like that you know uh obviously now did, so, you, did you also have oxna bears all we did yeah and how absolutely. was that to, how was that received uh, we, we sold out of it <laughs> we sold we totally sold out of uh everything so um that that was a good feeling to be there and uh, essen is 
it's incredible. And, you know, people say, oh, it's Essen's really big. Like Gen Con's big. Essen's really big. And it was, it was, it's kind of hard to get your head around it, but there's these huge, it, it, unlike Gen Con, which is, you know, happens in kind of that one massive exhibitor hall. Mm-hmm. They have like these, I think eight, I think it was at least eight airplane hangar size rooms that are probably like a quarter of Gen Con. Oh, wow. Each. And they had eight of them full of games. So- and people like, like aisles packed full of people in every single one of them. Um, it just blew my mind. And I, I only ever got to walk through about three of those hall, the convention halls. Um, now I'm going to apologize to you right now. Cause you realize <laughs> there's, there's like the one listener happens to be one of the Gen Con, uh, you know, uh, mafia. And they're going to be like, wait, Anvil games. Brian just said that, that Essen is bigger than us. Oh, screw that. They're out. <laughs> right. I'll never get a booth again. Um, I, you know, I don't know how they measure the numbers. That's the thing. So, like, you know, there's the two ways of me- measuring attendance is like how many individual people show up for the weekend, right? Or the turnstile, like how many people show up each day. And I don't know which they're doing at Essen, hmm. but they claim there's 170,000 people that come th- come through that weekend. That's um, insane. It's insane. So I don't know if that means that they have like what, like I don't do the math on that. Like sixty, if there's forty thousand people at, or sorry, sixty thousand people yeah. show up for three days. Or, that's that's still insane, though. Yeah, that's that's like a that's like a crazy number. In in Essen is just um just retail, right? It really is. I mean, there's no events. There's no uh, yeah. There's no. Like uh, like you see at Gen Con where you know there's, there's table upon table and table and room and whatever of people running different uh, games they, they it's, it's yeah it's like a massive store basically now how and did people that, come from everywhere yeah I was Absolutely. gonna say how did that feel for you because you've been you know Adepticon is primarily a players convention that has added retail yeah <clears throat> excuse me you know Gen Con has so much other gaming as well, even though it's so heavily retail, even origins is a real, you know, a real, real straight up split between the two. Like, how did it feel to be in that environment where it's just rabid consumerism? Um, it was, yeah, it was intense. And, you know, obviously the competition's ferocious because there are so many good games packed into this area. Right. I mean, um, you know, GW's in the middle of its resurgence, which is phenomenal. Like, they, they've really mm-hmm. kind of put that company back together in a huge way. And you can kind of see them clawing back, you know, market share, right? Like, you can see a lot of people are kind of interested in what they're doing again in a way that maybe they weren't a while ago. So we were we were right across the aisle, or maybe one aisle over from Games Workshop. Um, and to see, okay, so there's that going on, and there's like, but there's just so many other games, you know. That was that was just one chunk of this massive thing, um, you know. Their presence at Essen Games Workshop's presence at Essen wasn't that big, you know. Mm. Uh, so there's so much other space for all of these other games and all these other companies, and it was just it was it was pretty wild to see how it was going on. And I think just to get back to your question, I think it was interesting for us because I've always felt like, um, one of the things that, that, um, 
Like if you, if you just walk by Ethereum and you don't speak English, that's probably not the most approachable game, <laughs> right? Because there's text on the cards and, you know, like, and, uh, and, um, well, the board moves and you got tiles yeah, and a mat and things to keep track of. And yeah. And, and yet, you know, people would come and just plop down and say, I, I want to like, let's teach me this game, you know? Hmm. And, and so Will would be like, yeah, I'm going to totally crush you at this game. Like, would just wait, like, <laughs> Uh, you know, in, in continuing his uh, having never lost a demo game, Will, right, right, uh, undefeated at demo <laughs> games, uh, <laughs> and and you know to, to see people like getting really into it and like that, it was just it was a really cool experience. It was really cool to, yeah. But it was definitely that kind of con. It wasn't like people wanted a, a quick demo; they wanted to come and sit down. I think generally and play a game with you, um, which was a different kind of. Um, environment i guess then you get it like a a gen con where people are literally just kind of breezing past you know uh window it, shop yeah and that makes me wonder you know at gen con you can pretty well trust that if you just go do a quick demo of a game except for very specific games if you go do a demo you then can wander out find it somewhere else and play a full game Exactly. Yeah. And uh, yeah. with that part missing, I wonder if that's what drives people over there to, you know, just sit down and go, let's play. Yeah, I, I think so, for sure. That's kind of cool. That's definitely good. Um, yeah, it was I, I loved it. I, I, I'm not sure we're going to go back this year because it's kind of squeezed into a weird spot for us. Mm -hmm. uh, but we will definitely go back in 2020. And I'm, I'm actually already looking forward to it. So, how was the beer? How was the food? <laughs> beer was delicious. <laughs> so, you know, of course, like the first night, um, we were staying at like a hostel that was a, a solid like twenty-five minute walk up. It was kind of on the other end of the town from from the hotel, uh, from the convention center, um, and we got a kind of inside track on this place up that direction that was really kind of off the path, you know, which was just great for us. That's exactly what we wanted. And uh, so we found this place, and there was—I think we were the only English speakers in there um, every night that we went. And we went like three nights. Oh wow! Because it was so good, <laughs> we just kept going back. And uh, like the so the first night we landed at this place, and we're like, "Yeah, perfect. We're done." <laughs> the food was amazing. Uh, you know, like we weren't we weren't just around all the other tourists. You know, it was just like our own little spot to decompress every night. Uh, and the beer was fantastic, and yeah, it was everything you'd want, really. That's crazy, yeah. and and sounds fantastic, absolutely fantastic. So, okay, walk me through what's been going on. I, I think we start with your your newer game, right? Uh, Frontline, no comrades. Yes, Polish version out there. Oxna bears all. Like, what what's the story, and how how are things going there? Oh yeah. So as on the back end of. Essen, we are uh, almost certainly going to be releasing the game in Italian and Spanish and possibly French next year. Oh, wow. Or this this year, I guess. We're in 2019 now. Um, now, is the whoever's going to publish it in French, are they going to put in somebody who, who retreats? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Uh, that would be 
very funny. That would definitely, yeah. Um, I don't know. Or surrenders, just, right? Or just surrenders. Yeah, like just like conscient, the object and sit <laughs> up to the side and sniff at people. And yeah, the, um, I don't know. I have no idea that we, we do have a lot of ideas like this. So it's an Italian company that we've been talking to that's going to do this. Uh, and they've been great. They've been really, really cool um, so far. And I, I, I'm like 90% sure that this is going to come through, but you know, there's always, there's always some fine print to kind of comb through, especially when you're dealing in two languages simultaneously. Um, but I think, I think we're pretty far along in, in making that work, which is really tremendous. I should, I should mention by the way too, and I totally forgot to, when I was talking about Essen that we have uh, a guy named Volker, Volker Jacobson, who's a, a good friend and supporter of Ambulate games. Um, translated all of the cards and the rules into German for us. Oh, wow. Um, so we were able to offer people like a little handout that had the translations if they wanted them. Um, I was kind of amazed at how many people were like, no, no, we'll just play it in English. Um, but, but bravo you know, to Volker. Yeah, he was amazing. He just, he's, I, cause I, I approached him. I said, hey, Volker, we're going to Essen and, um, you know, we'd like to be able to give people like a piece of paper that just says, here's what this means, you know? And he said, oh, yeah, I've already done like 70% of it <laughs> <laughs> just for his friends there, you know? And I was like, oh, well, great. Thank you, you know? So now we have it up on the website, too. You can download it in, in Deutsch if you want. That's awesome. Yeah. That is absolutely awesome. So tell me about Oxna Bears All. So Oxna Bears All is the expansion uh, that Will wrote for uh, Frontline. And whereas, you know, Frontline No Comrades is the kind of fast action, screw your neighbor card game, uh, Oxna Bears All kind of continues that. It introduces some new characters, um, a certain tank commander and his dog, for example. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so that you have new characters, new incoming cards and, and things like that, new equipment, which is fantastic. Um, but then also kind of builds off that and offers different ways to play the game. So you can play a um, you can play linked scenarios uh, like like a campaign mode almost, <clears throat> uh, and you're trying to do different things. Uh, you can play cooperatively. You can play together against the commissar if you want to. Oh wow! Uh, that, was, that was a thing that people had come to us a couple times and said like, oh, I really like this game, but uh, you know my 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 group's kind of we don't we don't like to play like a screw your neighbor type game. So Will's like, yep, got this. So he wrote a kind of version where you can play cooperatively against the commissar, um, and uh, yeah, and the, and the scenarios, the, the scenario play is actually tons of fun because it, it's really quirky. Like one of them, there's a bowl of goulash, right, that sits in the open space, and everybody's trying to hold on to the goulash as long as possible. <laughs> Just, <laughs> things like that that we we enjoy. Um, I think we kind of wrote this game for ourselves. I, I, the more and more we do this, the more I realize. Those are the best kind of games, though, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's, there's a lot of fun stuff in there, and, and um, it's it's uh, a real simple. It's like a ten buck expansion, and it gives you just a ton to do with the core game as well. So very we, very cool. Yeah. So campaign and more. Screw your neighbor. Hmm. Yeah. That, I, I I just don't see how that could go wrong. <laughs> it can't possibly. How could this possibly fail? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so uh so that's frontline is there anything on the horizon for frontline 
Yes, I'm glad. You I, I mean, that. other than you know, two new, two new translations and a brand new distribution deal, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, other than that, in our spare time, we've also been developing yet another expansion. Um, I don't quite know if this one's going to be ready for Gen Con or not. It might be the spring of next year. Uh, I, I, we haven't slotted that into the schedule yet, but we've got some uh, characters based on people you might know. Oh, uh, some some friends that friends and friends and that uh, you might know. Okay, and, uh, we've been we've been kind of smashing together some fun things for them to do in this game. So w- would these be the heavy drinking kind of friends? I believe some of them do. Yes, <laughs> drink. They've been known to enjoy a beer or two. That's awesome. I yeah. am uh, I am looking forward to that. Now I got to say though. Setting setting a pace of having a new release every Gen Con, yeah. I mean, you already have a new release coming out every uh, Adepticon yes. and Gen Con. <laughs> Are you sure you're not setting yourself up to to have kind of too uh, heavy of a cadence? I, I think um, if if I had any hair left, it would be falling out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we we've definitely we're trying to ramp up the game. You know, we've got Aaron working on board now. Um, uh, Aaron Darlin's working with us, and he is an incredibly creative guy. Um, and so he's been just fantastic in terms of upping our ability to produce games. That's awesome. You know, Will's Will's a genius with Ethereum, and he, you know, obviously wrote uh, Frontline No Comrades and um, and the expansion. And so having this other voice in here now, we've got you know Aaron's. Uh, and another guy named Paul, uh, Paul DK, we call him PDK, uh, have written a, a role-playing game, RPG, that we're going to have coming out at Origins. What? Set in the Ethereum world, yeah. And it is super, super cool. So yeah, our, our release schedule this year is we've got a, a new faction for Adepticon for Ethereum. Uh, we've got a new RPG for Origins. Uh, we've got like the second wave of the new faction for Gen Con, and maybe something else. Well, maybe something else, and maybe you said a uh, an expansion for Frontline. Exactly. Wow, yeah. that's so uh, man. You uh, we might push one of those back to PAX. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how the year turns out for us. But so how? I, that's another really good question. You know. We talk about Origins, Essen, Gen Con, Adepticon. These are all well-established conventions. And then I know you go to Gamma regularly, and Gamma is a well-established sort of background industry convention. But you went to the new boy on the block this year, PAX U, second year running. Yeah. How was, like, what's your feedback about that? What did you think, and how was that that for you? PAX is really cool. They... I'll say this, they absolutely know how to run a convention. They are like really, really good from, from like the exhibitor end. Like they know what to do um, in terms of they're super organized. I think, I think the convention itself, um, the first year we were there was awesome for us. It was Mm -hmm. incredible. And the second year was, I would say just really good. Oh, I thought this was the first year. So you guys went the first year as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. we had it first year, and um, that was amazing. This year was good, like really good. 
and so obviously you're not going to hear me complain about something that's really good right but but in in you know full disclosure it wasn't quite as amazing as the year previous um it also grew it tripled in size so that is, probably has a lot to do with it in terms of like the number of exhibitors there right now, do they I have think, that whole thing in the convention center, or does it sort of grow out into that space above Reading Market? Uh, no, I think it's all. I think it's all in inside. Okay, I don't know. It did it. Um, that's a good question. I, I wasn't aware of if it did. Yeah, I and I haven't made it to Paxu yet, which is why I'm asking. But um, my wife and I were staying in a hotel right near the convention center. Mm-hmm. Sort of uh, a couple of weeks after Paxu, and we noticed that you know there's that huge Reading Market Farmers Market that's right there. Yeah, and above that is technically part of the convention center. And it's all enclosed, and we were like, "Wow!" And and nobody could answer our questions because everybody was like, uh, "There's always conventions at the convention center. Which one are you talking <laughs> it about?" Never stops. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a huge space. It's a huge space. I'll say that. That's, and that's one of the things that's really cool about it is it is a, it is a big old place. Um, I think Philadelphia has the ability to reach. I think a lot. Well, let me put it. Yeah. Like a lot of people are within reach of Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, so I, I think PAX is great. I think it's going to I think it's still growing. Obviously, it's got some growing up to do still in terms of like the number of people and uh, that kind of find its. Like, I don't know if they want it to be as big as a Gen Con or if they're thinking more like, you know, they're going to, they're going to, I don't know what direction they're going to take it yet. Exactly. And you know what I have heard, and I'm wondering if, if you saw this at all, I, there, the PAX, the video game conventions are a big deal. And mm-hmm. I've heard that they, PAX Unplugged is, is taking a lot of what they learned from the video game conventions uh, I think they had, uh, are they called the enforcers, the uh, mm-hmm. sort of the helpers that are just sort of floating around, making sure everybody yeah. is doing what they got to do and knowing what they're doing. You know, just just sort of those little tweaks that they're pulling from their video games. Yeah, and and I think that's part of what I was talking about in terms of like running a tight ship is like you know that as soon as you arrive, someone walks up and says, "Hey, I'm I'm in charge of your zone for you know I'm like these two aisles for the day, the weekend. If you need anything, come talk to me." You know, they check in with you at the end of every day. How to go today? Is there anything you need? You know, like that kind of stuff is just crazy. That's really uh, cool. In terms of yeah, just their their ability to put together a really solid. Um, environment for exhibitors. You know, I, I I think they stand alone in that respect. And Gen Con's really good too. I mean, and and um, but it's not as f- formalized as that. Like, I think they run like a really kind of um, efficient, formal kind of uh, organization. And then Adepticons are also awesome. But I feel like those are guys that I just know. So right. <laughs> like, hey Matt, what's uh, what about this? You know. As opposed to like having to come by and say like, "Hey, I'm in charge of your zone," you know that type of thing. So I think I think PAX is is if it wants to be, can be a huge deal. Right. I'm not sure if they want it to be yet or not, but who knows? Well, and and that's I think we'll see over the next year or so, right? That's really where it'll be telling where they want to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So very very cool. Okay, so so tell me about the role playing game. I mean, in in the Ethereum universe, that's pretty cool. Yeah, you you can play in the Ethereum. You can play a little bit in the meat space as well. Um, 
So it's it's a cool RPG uh, in the sense that um, because because it's in a virtual reality, you can manipulate the world. You can hack into. So as you're playing in this world, you can actually hack it and change aspects of it. You know, you say like, you know what, I need there to be a door in that wall. And there's mechanisms in the game for you to be able to do that. Like you can hack a door into that wall. That comes at uh, uh, there's a risk, right? Like if your hacking doesn't work, you can gain glitch. Um, you can start to get glitchy, and if you get too glitchy, it will log you out. Um, and getting logged out against your will can have real life consequences in in your character profile in the meat space. So you can you can actually damage yourself um, pretty oh, wow. bad. Now the the board game, right? Yeah. The 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 yeah, the board game, the miniature game. You're playing a collective, right? So mm-hmm. so you have your avatar, you have your functions which sort of in the fluff are tied back to individuals and then yeah. you have, you know, the groups that make up your subroutines. How does that translate over into the role-playing game is everybody a function is everybody an avatar is yeah so, so those are kind of like the levels and we we've we've created a few more um so there are uh for example um things like uh cogs and icons and exemplars and macros um so we've cre- kind of created a few more types of of macros uh, yeah macros so so macros are are what they're the that's when your friend didn't make it this week. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> right. So, but so those are essentially like they they function a little bit like levels in a, another RPG, right? Okay. Um, so as your character grows, you can you can move up from being a subroutine to you know an icon, and then to a function, and your abilities get better, and you you know um, you have more of them, so on. Your stats improve. Nice. Um, so yeah, so that, that translates a little bit, uh, that's, I guess, I don't know if I explained that very well, but that's generally how like the, the, those translate. One of the coolest things about the RPG though, I have to say, uh, in terms of my experience of it, creating it is that, you know, we, when we wrote Ethereum, there there are certain things you don't have to answer. Right. Um, you just say like, this is, this is. Pylons do this and good, right? And you don't have to ask why because it's not really an important part of the game. Like controlling them is important, but not how exactly they work, you know? And the RPG, there's no room for that. You have to answer like that kind of question. Like how does a pylon work exactly? What is it doing really? Um, And so Aaron, you know, would kind of like Skype in or we use Discord a lot. You know, he'd chime in on Discord and we have like – three-hour conversations about things like what if i want to steal a car <laughs> you know i'm like I, I don't know i don't know the answer to that yet <laughs> so you know this is like a year ago and um we'd figure out like what does it mean to steal a car in the ethereum you know that, that kind of question it's just been so cool to have to answer that um so give some examples because for somebody I, I'm I'm kind of reaching out to that listener that doesn't have the broadest imagination. It's like, what do you mean? Yeah, just steal a car. I roll a couple right. of dice. Like, <laughs> so what are the what what is the Ethereum twist or difficulty on stealing a car? Well, so I mean, in theory, right, that car is a piece of programming, right? So how do you 
how do you steal? Like, you know, if like if you stole my phone from me right now, yep. I could go on my iPad and be like, where is my phone? And Apple will tell me. Right. Um, and so in theory, something like that would be possible as well. If, if I walked off with one of your programs, like in theory, you could just disconnect that program. Right. And then that car or whatever it was would disappear. So we had to start to think through what exactly these, this coding is in the Ethereum. Um, and whether or not it's attached to you as a part of your program or you know, is it just an extension of your program or is it something else? Um, and so basically what we ended up doing is writing, there's basically two different types of programs um, in the game. Uh, and some of them are kind of in your rig, so to speak, like in the deck that you are using to project your mind into this virtual reality. Mm-hmm. Um, so those, those um stay with you basically but the other ones are programs that you would kind of download as you are in the reality um and those have a more kind of for lack of better just to to continue the metaphor those are more stealable right you can walk off with that bit of coding oh um that is very cool so so let me ask you the tough question and maybe this is a throw it to aaron for a future future episode (laughs) on the role-playing game but uh So some of what you're describing sounds a little cyberpunky and even more so sort of like the mini role playing game of decking that was in Shadowrun. Right. So how does Ethereum the role playing game separate from that and not just become the unwritten add-on to Shadowrun? Right, right, right. Well, so I mean I mean, for starters, I, I think I've always made it very clear, announced it as, as much as I possibly can, that I love William Gibson. I think he's amazing. Yep. Um, and he, he obviously his writing played a huge role in thinking about the Ethereum and to begin with. Um, I was actually teaching a class at the time on dystopian literature, and we were reading Neuromancer when I first thought, like, I want to make a game like this, <clears throat> you know. Um, so Gibson's, so yeah, cyberpunk is definitely there. It's always been in the Ethereum. Um, but I think one of the, one of the biggest differences between us and Shadowrun, um, apart from what you can actually do in the Ethereum, you know, the way you can, you, you know, you get a root program and then you can modify it by building extra programs onto it. And you basically kind of can build your own unique equipment, um, things like that, I mean, cool mechanics like that, where you can, if you can think it up, you can make it somehow, right? Um, and the hacking and things like that. Is that in my, in my understanding of Shadowrun and my experience of Shadowrun? It's it's really it is like you said, it's a it's a mini game, right? It's a game that kind of happens. If if you're a hacker in Shadowrun, you kind of go off and do your own thing, and everybody else is just kind of waiting in the real world for you to come back, right? Right. Um, whereas Ethereum happens predominantly in the virtual reality and you're all in that virtual reality together uh working things out um which makes things it's really cool because it makes things like in terms of the world we built as well character death is a totally different experience in this game than in other games you know you can glitch out and not die so that you can that character can come back you know kind of later in that in that very session you know having re-logged in <laughs> so that that's got to be not just a nightmare for the GM, but <laughs> a GM using that to go, yes, you beat the big bad guy. 
Dun dun dun. Yeah. <laughs> Glitches have cleared. He's logged back in. He's, he's back, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, and we thought about this. These are, again, some of the design conversations we've had is that, you know, the, the kind of murder hobo tradition of RPGs, where you just like, you know, you know the expression like when all you've got is a hammer, every problem's a nail? Yep. I think I think RPGs do that sometimes where it's like, I'm just going to murder my way through any problem that I have, you know? And that um, doesn't really work that way in this game. You have to kind of think of different ways. I mean, that, that it's a temporary <laughs> fix. Or maybe if you pile enough glitch on, you can do some serious damage to that person in the real world, and they, they might die. But it's not a guarantee, right? Um, so you can't just be like, I'm going to kill my way through this entire adventure and come out smiling at the end, you know? Um, you have to think of different ways to... It challenges you to think of different ways to solve problems. Um, so- which is cool. There was some story writing in the Romix book mm. that sounds very um, similar. Glitching and the scene on the docks where reality <laughs> starts to fall apart. Yeah. Was there any influence and overlap there? It, well, we were thinking of both things. Yeah, I mean, simultaneously, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, and um, that guy that I mentioned before, PDK Paul, uh, it wrote a, a, the lion's share of the fiction for the Romex. Okay, and he's he's been instrumental in designing the kind of early inspiration of the RPG as well. Um, Aaron Aaron has since as he came on, kind of took over as lead designer, but um, they've been they've been collaborating really really well uh, on this. That's awesome. So yeah, you definitely see some ideas. You you can if if and thank you by the way for paying attention because if you have been, you can see us thinking through some of these things. Um, and in one of the adventures, there is a scene on the docks. Okay. Um, um, yeah. So I, now that goes to the other side, right? So I'm seeing this now, having not looked at the role playing game. Mm-hmm. Were you? I'm trying to think of the right way to ask this, and it's really this way. Um, there's there's always fans of games, right? People like the fluff in a game. People like the, the, the gameplay of the game. And then those people that like the story will pretty much pick up everything just to try to get the mm. littlest, you know, tidbit that they can get of the next expansion of background or story or whatever. It, did you leave that to be a side product in the role-playing game, or did you think about that? Were you intentional about thinking, maybe there's some Ethereum players who will buy this book or these books, but aren't role-players? Uh, I, I didn't think about it. I, I don't think we thought it like that. I, I actually, I think we thought about the other direction entirely. Mm-hmm. So we, we had so many people that our Ethereum players come up to us and say, I really want to do an RPG in this world that we almost felt obligated. We, we, we had initially wanted to just write an RPG that was something else entirely, um, but got so much really positive feedback from people saying, like, I, can, can we do an RPG here? That we we felt, okay, actually, yeah, we this is the world that we can play in, you know? Um. So yeah, I think I think it kind of came to us the other direction that like we almost felt compelled to to write this world, nice to to, to dive deeper into it. I guess that's that is that's really exciting because you know now we're seeing also the leaps and bounds forward on uh, 
the new factions that are being released. So it's mm. like you go the next level deeper story-wise as well as mechanics-wise every time you've released something new, which kind of transitions <laughs> really nicely to uh, the ROMX. How has the ROMX been received this year? <laughs> People are kind of crazy about the ROMX. I, uh, I mean... So from from like a design perspective, the Romics something like the Romics needs to happen. There needs to be a monstrous faction, right? Um, just to kind of build off the archetypes. Bad guys. The word you're looking for is bad guys, Brian. Bad guys, sure. Yeah, and and I think <laughs> I think that's the thing is that I, w- I was kind of surprised by how many people love bad guys. Uh, I mean, I get it. I totally. I mean, villains are invariably like the coolest parts of films, aren't they? Yep. You know. Um, and but I, it still kind of caught me off guard in how well received that like how excited people were like I get to play the monster that's gonna like eat your face off you know and like <laughs> whoa yeah okay you, you can definitely do that you know um, yeah it, it, Romics have been gangbusters it's been really good and uh, there were there were a ton of fun to make obviously it's a ton of fun to do something like because you can kind of go off the wall with it you know the the, the might lord spawns these little creatures that he throws across the board at people you know like we, that's a lot of fun to write that yeah it's <laughs> you know, yeah. a lot of fun to, to design that um so for us it was tons of fun and to see it to see it be well well received like that is really um is cool as well that's nice so there's a new faction coming out in a very short period of time and I don't yes. know what to call them because, as we mentioned earlier, I, I like they just the name keeps changing. <laughs> well, yeah, kind of. Um, the Wayfinders is what we're calling them now. Although I think the Wayfinders are actually a subset of the bigger faction. Is what okay. we're going to It might be what we learn uh, in March. So I can keep saying Zen. If you like, yeah. <laughs> but, but Wayfinders is is uh, yeah their current name. Uh, and they are, mm-hmm. I don't want to be that guy that, but it's true. So I have to say this, but, um, you know, like some designers, like my favorite faction is whatever one I'm working on right now. Um, <laughs> they, they're, so Naname has always been my first true love in this world. Um, and, but I think these guys are tied right now. Uh, I absolutely love them. No, amazing job writing the rules for them. Um, and the aesthetic is just super, super cool. Does that mean that we're going to be seeing another utter chaos faction or is it maybe that it's the, uh, the, uh, two sides of the same coin, right? The, uh, that, that you're falling in love with here. <laughs> yeah. I think it's the two sides of the same coin. There's something to love and something to not really trust about them at the same time. Um, they are, they are totally, different than anybody we've they, they interact with the ethereum in a very different way than anybody else we've uh written so far um in the storyline like they they have a whole, a whole totally different take on what the ethereum is and why people are there and why they should be there or not um so they've they've got a really cool disposition i think so if i follow sort of the trend here yeah, we had welcome to the Ethereum, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the the launch of the game, and then the first big story campaign set of games, uh, Adepticon and Gen Con came out, and it was oh by the way, not only are there 
massive cities and streets burning and massive temples and the church and the and the chaos, you know, <laughs> sort of street guys. But, oh, yeah, there's big corporations out there. And what do big corporations do? They've set their sights on good old, you know, uh, good old striker. And they're just going to kind of laser this guy out because he stepped wrong. <laughs> or at least... Yeah. They're, they're going to try, and then the AI is going to get shot in the head. Yeah. yeah. Right? But, uh, and then we had, oh, crap, something's coming from out there, and they're coming, and we don't know if they're coming to attack and land or take us mm. over or if they're returning. And, whoa, come to find out, they were actually coming back to say, there's something bad out there. And then something bad showed up. Mm-hmm. So it seems to me like... What what could you introduce with the Wayfarers? I mean, we already dealt with the bad. Everybody's fighting this uh, virus corruption that's coming out. I mean, I'm not sure where else you could go. Any pointers you can share? Yeah. Well, so all right. So they were <laughs> they were inspired by two things. Um, and the first is you remember the old remember the old show. I think you might you might be old enough to remember this, Bill. I t- I mean that in the nicest possible. <laughs> you remember. Remember that old David Carradine show, uh, Kung Fu? Yes. Yes. I loved that show when I was a kid. I totally just loved it. Me and my brothers used to, like, yeah, we couldn't get enough of it. And then we'd go beat each other up silly afterwards. <laughs> um, but nobody could figure out who that weird monk wandering around beating everybody up was. <laughs> yeah, like, why does this guy just show up <laughs> and, like, kick everyone in the face? Yeah, so there were... Um, Partially inspired by him and partially inspired by the kid in the matrix who reminds us that there is no spoon. Um, and that's nice. part of their, that's part of their deal is that they know that there is no spoon and that's what they see the Ethereum for what it is. Um, and it, which is something that, you know, everybody else is kind of bought into this second reality in a really deep way. And, um, they, they have a completely different interpretation of it. Um, so that's that's our to answer your question. The new direction is they they have a a different yeah a different vibe about the whole thing. So you're not setting up a uh, are, are you committing right now that you're not setting up a bigger and badder AI virus that Ikaru gets blamed for as well. <laughs> no, we're not doing another virus yeah. uh, in there. Um, no, this, they're, <laughs> I, they're they're really cool. I, I'm excited about them, um, and and being able to describe like what I was saying, like what they see when they look at the Ethereum is is going to be something special. I am. I don't know if I'm looking forward to the faction boxes or the book more. Mm. I, I got to admit, I'm glad that you know. It really, it makes me very happy that you like the storyline. I have to say. Um, I, because we sweat over this stuff, you know, <laughs> like we really do. And uh, I've, I mean, the a number of conversations I've had with Aaron, even just talking about the world and stuff like that, that I mean, it's what the coolest thing for me is that I think I think we mentioned I might have mentioned to you previously. And I don't know if it was on this context or just when, you know, we were having drinks at one of the cons or whatever. Um, that the Resex, the fourth faction that we released was actually the first one I wrote. Mm hmm. And it was meant to be, you know, it was out on the frontiers. And as we were designing the game, we went back and said, you know, you can't start the game on the frontier. That doesn't make any sense. Like, you have to build the world from the bottom up first. 
Um, and so that's what we did. That's why we went back and built, you know, this kind of government faction. Like, what what does the day to day lives of people look like in this place? So we built up the government and you know the kind of resistance to the government and the corporation, and then came back to what's happening on the outskirts, uh, which is kind of what the Resex and and the viruses are. Um, but now I really feel like we are like well and truly, but like the world exists in its own momentum has its own momentum and we're like really living in it and playing with it. And like, it's like a real thing now, you know? Well, you, I mean, we talked about this in the fall over, over drinks, right? You're with Aaron's influence. You're really living in it. You're like waking up in the morning, driving to the office and then going, okay, let me uh, think through wacky (laughs) Ethereum stuff all day. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly that. Um, so when do you get the uh, life-size model of a uh, robot ninja? <laughs> to put out, yeah, the put statue out in the office. The office. Um, any day now. Yeah, we just got to find a guy to build it. Uh, we used to tease Aaron when he would be at conventions assembling, like, giant statues of things uh, for that other company. Yeah, for that other company. Um, He's not there anymore. He's right in the role-playing game now. We can focus on that. Great. <laughs> um, so hopefully we'll never have to do that at a convention, but. Well, it sounds to me like now you've guaranteed you don't have to because he has experience. <laughs> yeah. So exactly. now you have a lackey to build it for you. Yeah. <laughs> Put that on his business card, right? Uh, charge, assembly of strange. Yeah. Okay. So then that's, here's the big question. I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, and I'm hoping this is the, the new and innovative out of the, out of the box question you're getting out of the, uh, this episode of the gamers lounge. So you, Brian get to pick somebody else will build it. You'll be able to put it up, but you get to pick the eight foot tall or 10 foot tall statue at the next anvil anvil eight booth at the next convention. Who is that statue of? Um, Oh man, I think that's a tough one. Right now, it might be one of the Zen guys. Yeah, it might be that the levitating Zen guy. I'm in love with that artwork. But uh, that's the one that I teased on Facebook. Yep, yep. Back, I think at the beginning of the year. Um, and now there's oh, going to be a big rush to Facebook for Aaron to build and assemble that. But. <laughs> Well, no, I mean, we're not talking about, look, realism right out the window, right? It's, we know Aaron can build this stuff, so. <laughs> so Aaron is literally rolling over on his bed right now going, who is talking about me? Hi, Aaron. Uh, <laughs> guess what you get to do? Um, yeah, right now he's my he's my favorite piece of artwork, so that's the one that I would probably like to see um, come to life. I, I got to admit, as much of an Akaru fanboy as I am, and as much as I like the art you've been putting out, I still, I, I just picture a 10 foot tall Mastrona. Oh yeah. Just pointing out over the crowd. <laughs> just judging you. <laughs> right? <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you judge me. Um, she would be fantastic. She's, I, I like her story as well. I like her story a lot. Um, I have enjoyed every new person uh, speaking about the story and, and I know this tickles you. So even more so now I love 
watching the people who go through and read the the fluff, like uh, Benjamin is a good example. Mm -hmm. Um, Benjamin who got in the game and he's like, ah, you know, there's some fluff there. I'll read the book at some point. Yeah, yeah, I like this game. Oh, did you know about this? And then he sits down and finally reads. He's like, wait, she's an old craggly lady. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, yeah. (laughs) And not, not even the first one. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, that that kind of stuff I enjoy, yeah, for sure. I, you know, here's an exclusive for you, Bill. I, I don't think I love exclusives. I don't think. In fact, there's some guys like Will doesn't know this yet, and I don't even think Aaron does. Ooh. Um. So you you will know this. I'll have to hurry up and tell them tomorrow before this airs, so that they don't see. What you think. should do is you should tell them they have to listen to the Gamers Lounge when it comes out, and then I'll delay it for like <laughs> a month. I should yeah. I should <laughs> communicate them to them exclusively through interviews with you. <laughs> Aaron, you're in charge of uh, assembling <laughs> giant things at conventions. And, um, but no, we, we are also talking to two different individuals who uh, are very, very keen to write novels in the world now. Really? Um, so we're talking to a publishing company about yeah, starting to build um, the world even more through in, in the novel form. That uh, is absolutely exciting. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. Uh, I'm like, I, again, I think, I think we're basically 90% on one of them and probably 70% on the other, but wow. I think that is going to happen. So to me, that's, that's I, really fun. It is not often I am, I am speechless and, uh, I think I'm salivating a little. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, Will, if you can write that outline for next week, that'd be awesome. Appreciate it. Yeah, come Thanks. on, Will, whip that up. <laughs> I mean, don't don't cause delays. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Zen for Adepticon this year, or I'm sorry, Wayfinders for Adepticon this year. Yep. And uh, more story. Oh, and we can actually, I, I mean, anybody who's been following the webpage will know, well, uh, our webpage, but uh, you're going to the Spring Fling this year. Spring Fling. And you're not playing Guild Ball. No, no. I haven't. Well, I have played Guild Ball. I have some painted morticians from back in the day. Um, but I think I'm I think I'm think a season behind now, actually. I've kind of gotten I got a, a little bit left behind. Oh, well, it's only a couple of months into the season. That's easy to pick up. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so you're going to be out joining me at uh, the inaugural year of board games at the Spring Fling. I can't wait. It's going to be cool. You're our featured, uh, so far, uh, you're our featured developer and game company there. So uh, you guys are are literally in in good foundation territory in one of the corners of the con. And uh, great to hear. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going to do the developer's dinner. Absolutely. So anybody that wants to come pick your brain, pitch you games or something like that. Now, I haven't promised anybody, you know. So I'm sure people are going to try to pitch games, but I haven't promised anybody they can do that yet. So that's not on me. I'm just saying it now. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, if anybody wants to come pick your brain for a couple hours over we, drinks we, and food. We have a very low bar about game pitching. Uh, we, we love, I love game pitching. Um, we had an experience. I, I don't know if I've ever told you about this experience at Gen Con a few years back. It might have been like our – might have actually been our first or second year at Gen Con. We had a dude come into the booth uh, who was so high. I mean, he was like really, really high. 
And he just kind of like hung out. We were talking to him. He's a nice guy to talk to. And, you know, he's into the world. And he loved looking at the miniatures and stuff like that. And then he, he said kind of in parting after being there for, you know, a good half hour or so. He said, you know, I've got this idea for a game that you guys should do. And we're like, oh, okay. What, you know, what's that? He says, um, have, you ever, have you ever seen the movie The Thing? And hmm. I said, yeah, 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 we've seen that. And he said, do that. You can. He's like, you can take my idea if you want to, but do that. <laughs> I, I love that he gave me permission to steal the game. That like, so that like, we we think about this guy all the time because it was such a brilliant game pitch, right? Like that was that was like a yeah. Um, but then you know somebody made the game, the thing. Well, I was going to say out. there's the thing, and then there's the uh, what is it, Outpost Fifty One or whatever. Like there's yeah. two versions of this now. And I just I, w- I like I would love to find him again and be like, you you did it. Like, you know, you made it happen. I, I, I wonder, you know, did he have anything to do with that? I, I have no idea. But I just, I love that guy. And I, I think about him all the time when people say, I'm going to pitch you a game. I'm like, if you're doing anything more than telling me about a movie that you saw, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, no, that's, uh, that's great. So now everybody knows, get really high, which means you need to be in like <laughs> Seattle or Denver. Yeah. Hang out for an hour and a half, and then... Chill out the booth and spring it on us. <laughs> We're ready for you. Yeah. So. Um, that's fun. It, I love meeting people at these cons. You know, like, you, it's so many different people that come through that are having a great time. So where do people... Yeah, I mean, I, that's that's actually... Man, you did this better than I do. I'm way out of practice with this transition stuff. <laughs> did I just segue for you? <laughs> so where do people find you this year? Uh, oh God, we're, uh, you're doing everything this year, right? Except for, uh, except for Essen, which is next year. Yeah. We're going to, I think we're going to skip Essen for a year. Um, we might do, we're trying to pick up one of the cons in the UK. We want to dip our toe into the UK and see what happens there. Uh, We're not sure if we're going to be able to, if it's going to be feasible, but that's our dream. That would be our European stop this year. Nice. Um, can I call it that still? If I, yeah, I, 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 uh, not, I mean, it's not finalized, right? So I think yeah, you can, right? right? I, it's just um, don't say it in front of them. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, so we, we might be in the UK. But so our, our season kind of looks like this. We're going to go to Gamma first, uh, then Adepticon. Uh, Spring Fling, which you may have heard of. It's going to be very exciting. I, uh, then Origins, um, Gen Con. Uh, I'm missing something. Oh, there's PAX Unplugged. Yep. And uh, Gamehole Con in Madison. Gamehole Con. I haven't heard of that one. Very cool. Is that... Um, it's a, a smaller one up in up in Madison. I, I am a... You know, you may not know this about me, but I am a huge fan of small local conventions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a pretty fun one. Madison's a fun town. I don't know if you've ever been. I haven't. Know. I've... Um... I can remember, like, I did a ton of work in Chicago years okay. ago, yeah, yeah. and I remember talking to people who always talked about going up to Madison. Mm-hmm. And uh, is is I'm trying to remember is Madison the uh, one of the cities that you can see from the top of like the uh, the Hancock Tower or something? Oh, uh, Milwaukee probably would be. Out of Madison, that'd be that. That maybe Madison I don't know. Maybe a bit further. Yeah, it's, it's a good like two hour drive from the north of the city, Madison. It's a college town, you know, and uh, I don't know if you know this, but the, the 
the Scotties, people in Wisconsin keep all the best beer for themselves. So there's there's beers that you can buy just over the border that don't come to Illinois. Really? Yeah, and they're they're fantastic. They're really good. I, uh, I the only thing I knew about Wisconsin was um well cheese. Cheese, yeah, cheese, America's, yeah, America's dairy farm, yeah. Uh, that's also very good. The cheese is very good in Wisconsin, but the beer I think is better. And um, so, I, any excuse to get up there, you know, and grab a six pack is we do it. Yeah, I'm gonna have to keep that in mind. So, uh, so I just went and looked at a map. Obviously, Madison. Now that I'm looking, is way too far. I'm thinking a Kenosha is the town you can see from the oh, top okay. of the. Uh, that makes sense. Hancock Tower, yeah, because that's right over the border. So, um, but yeah, that doesn't look like a bad drive at all up into Madison. That shows you how long it's been since I was at the <laughs> the top of the cock. Yeah. Um, you know what they say? It's better to be at the top than <laughs> away. That might be out of line. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's a, it's a cool spot to have a drink up there. Uh, it's just been a long time, yeah. I've always loved, um, like I've done this actually with a couple of people that have taken sightseeing into Chicago. Mm. And I always loved going to the observation deck and then going, yeah. so do you want to go up even further? <laughs> well, wait, this is the observation deck. Isn't that the top? No, no, there's a restaurant above us. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a cool, it's a really cool spot. Yeah. So... Well, anything uh, anything else you would like to share with the listener about a, about a Anvil 8 other than, hey, come out and pick up all of the games? Yeah, it's all happening. Um, no, I think, I, I, think I've, I think that's all of it, really. I'm sure I forgot something, but it'll come to me at like 3 a.m., I'm sure. And there is, a, there is a better than even chance that I can get you back on. <laughs> to talk about whatever that thing was right well and on the good side you know it's uh i as soon as i say this it ends up blowing up but i i believe we're on a good run now of gamers lounge being back and uh as long as that proves out through the spring i think uh i think that's going to be good stuff that's great news yeah that's really cool i'm glad to hear so. it very glad to hear. So, well, Brian, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, yeah, we uh, just, people need to come find you at Gamma, and then find you again at Adepticon, and then they need to sign up for Spring Fling because uh, yeah, know, they do. It's going to be a ton of fun. It is going to be. Yeah, I can't wait for it. So, and uh, please go ahead and put my reservation in now for all three boxes of uh, Wayfarers. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Noted. Yeah. Extra so, yeah, well, I, I was going to say, I mean, it'll go right here with the rest of my uh, Ethereum that uh, one of the few games I have, I have more than I play regularly. I'm I'm happy to keep feeding that problem. Uh, I, I, and I know you are. My wife is, well, actually, that's not true. <laughs> my wife has actually been out drinking with us now, and she's fine with it, so. That's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's how you do it, right? Exactly. So, well, cool. I will let you go. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, oh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. Cool. Have a good night, man. Thank you.
You know, Brian's simply a really good dude. I uh, I love chatting with him, and uh, it's always great when we can get together. So uh, hopefully that was good. If anybody has comments to make, you want to get a hold of me, you can email me at bill at gamerslounge.coder.net. If you have any questions for Brian or anything for Anvil 8, you can see them at their website, or if you email me, I'll pass it along to him. Um, what else? What else? Uh, if you are listening to this and you have not recently done so, please head over to iTunes. Uh, leave a review for Gamers Lounge. It is the Gamers Lounge with the sexy microphone. It seems since I have been, uh, well, reported demised. There's been a couple of other gamers lounge, lounges that jump up. Uh, I appreciate that. They're video games. Uh, we are board games. But that being said, um, yeah, go ahead and jump on, leave a review. It will let people know the Gamers Lounge is back. It will let people know that they can come back and listen. And it may even start picking up some new, new listeners. So with all that being said, um, thank you so much. Have a good night. We'll be back in two weeks.